Welcome to room 4216. I'm so glad you've come. Reading the Bible can be difficult. Not to mention understanding it. Having a disability, whether blindness or another, can be difficult too. Sometimes a person wonders if God is even there. Yeah, but in room 4216... God shows us his path and we find... We are not alone. Dum de dum 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 I bet this is what Cecilia was referring to when she said she didn't want to do the book of James. That it's got Where can I run? Where can I hide? Hello, Pastor Dave. Pastor Dave, are you in here? I guess he hasn't arrived at room 4216 yet. Ah, well. I can always sit and practice reading again. All right. We have here James chapter 2, and we're picking up at verse 14. And, uh uh-oh, I don't like this heading. Faith and Deeds. What good is it, my brothers, if a man claims to have faith, but has no deeds? Can such faith save him? Suppose a brother or sister is without clothes and daily food. If one of you says to him, Go, I wish you well, keep warm and well fed, but does nothing about his physical needs, what good is it? In the same way, faith by itself, if it is not accompanied by action, is dead. Uh, I don't know if I like that. But someone will say, You have faith. I have deeds. Show me your faith without deeds, and I will show you my faith by what I do. You believe that there is one God. Good. (laughs) Even the demons believe that. And shudder. Hmm. I guess that means that knowledge isn't everything. You foolish man. Do you want evidence that faith without deeds is useless? Was not our ancestor Abraham considered righteous for what he did when he offered his son Isaac on the altar? You see that his faith and his actions were working together, and his faith was made complete by what he did. And the scripture was fulfilled that says, Abraham believed God, and it was credited to him as righteousness. And he was called God's friend. You see that a person is justified by what he does, and not by faith alone All right. Hold on one minute. Um, I'm beginning to suspect something. Pastor Dave is usually very punctual, but he hasn't shown up yet. I wonder if he might not be hiding somewhere because of this particular verse, verse 24. 
let's go see what we can find. Pastor Dave, Pastor Dave, are you here? Oh man, I hear it coming. I gotta get out of here. I gotta find a different place to hide. Hmm. Dave. Pastor Dave. Hi, Cecilia. Hi, Mary. Oh, always good to see you. You too. What's going on? Uh, well, have you seen Pastor Dave anywhere around room 4216? No, I can't say that I have. Uh, now, Mary, by seen, you know what I mean. <laughs> sure. No, I have not encountered him anywhere. Hmm. Where could he be? Well, uh, if you do encounter him, would you please give him a message for me? Sure. Tell him you can run, but you can't hide forever. Run, but no hide. Okay. I'll do that. All right. Thanks. You're welcome. Phew, that was close. I bet this is a better spot. I don't think she'll ever find me here. Hello, Jasmine. How are you? Oh, I'm doing very well, thank you. Have, have you seen Pastor Dave around here? Really? Oh, thank God. Which way did he go? Hmm. He went that way, did he? Hey, thanks, Jasmine. I owe you some good canned salmon and tuna later. Dang it. She gave me up. I didn't think... Oh, it doesn't matter. I gotta get into another spot. This is pretty good. I bet she won't find me here. Pastor Dave? Pastor Dave, where are you? <sighs> Pastor Dave, I know you're here. Where are you? Uh, I'm here. What? What are you doing? Hiding. Because I was afraid. Y you read verse 24, didn't you? Mm-hmm. Would you please come out of there? Okay. And you knew I'd be upset by verse 24, didn't you? Um, yeah. But I didn't... I, I didn't tell you to read it. You gave me the Bible to read, remember? So, what do you have to say? Oh, well, let's go back to the study and we'll talk it over. All right.
Um, I take it you read verses 14 to the end of the chapter, right? Well, I haven't read, I mean, I haven't read the end of the chapter, verses 25 and 26 yet, no. Oh, dead. I I got stopped on verse 24. All right, all right. I mean, I got the first few verses where it talks about uh, faith without works is dead. Mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. Didn't totally like that, but, but okay, I can see it. And then I really got the part about knowledge, and even the demons believe in God, and, and they shudder. And that's really a key point of James. You know, it's, faith isn't just this, yeah, I know there's a God, Mm-hmm. That makes sense. Then I started to get on a little confused and on some slippery ice when it came to the whole Abraham thing and and him sacrificing uh, Isaac, which we did talk about a couple of weeks ago. Mm-hmm. Um, and then, um, well, I sort of hit a wall when we hit verse 24. Yeah. And I, I know it's probably expected that I would or should. I mean, you are the pastor, and I understand mm-hmm. that. Mm-hmm. That I should, that you'll have some words of wisdom, and and I'll come back and I'll say, oh, I understand. Well, these verses are great. This this verse 24 is great. Now I get it, and I'm totally at peace. But without intending to be obnoxious or whatever, I'm just not sure that's going to happen. Okay. Okay. I can tell that you're really torn up and struggling with something. Well, and I want to understand. Believe me. So tell me more specifically what's really bothering you here. All right. Um, I can sum sum it up in two Bible verses. Ephesians 2, verses 8 and 9. For it is by grace you have been saved through faith. And this, not of yourselves, it is the gift of God, not by works, hmm. so that no one can boast. I have been taught that Scripture never contradicts Scripture, mm-hmm. um, but this seems to contradict the verse 24. Yeah, okay, okay. Which verse 24, to remind, said that uh, f- something, faith alone does not do it, that you have to have works with the faith. No, 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 don't, don't, actually read it again, verse 24. All right. You see that a person is justified by what he does, and not by faith alone. I just don't... Okay. Yeah. Anything else bothering you? Well, yeah. Uh, As I was reading preparing for uh, study, mm-hmm. I read that in Romans 4, it says that Abraham was justified by his faith, not by his works. And then even Luther, uh, that's why Luther was so strongly against James and this this chapter and these verses was because he was very much against the whole idea of works getting you to heaven. Yeah. I really like how you've done your preparation and your study because there are differences and we do need to reconcile them. 
and this causes you trouble, this is good, actually. This is good. And I know other people out there have struggled with it as well. So we'll take a look at all these, and I'm not saying we're going to make everybody happy or, or, or fix it and you'll be happy with the whole chapter, but we'll see what we can do. That's fair. Well, I am not smarter than the theologians who've gone before me, the vast multitude who were smarter and wiser and more intelligent and studied so much more than me. One thing I can do is look at all that they've done, read and study, try to uh, comprehend where they were going, what they were trying to bring forth, and then try to bring that to, to us all. That I can do. It starts with Martin Luther, the reformer. And he literally in the Latin said, uh, sola grace, sola fide, sola scriptura, meaning grace alone, faith alone, scripture alone. Now it's interesting, it doesn't say Christ alone. We in the 20 and 21st century have kind of added that. And it's proper, but back in his day, Christ was always part of the picture, but how does he fit in? And where it came down to was this. The Roman Catholic Church at that time said, Jesus did uh, the, the initial hard dig work, the grunt work, and then he laid it down at our feet saying, okay, now you take it rest of the way. And so some works were necessary, and that's demonstrating our personalization of our faith. That's kind of a summary of it. Luther said, we don't even have the strength enough to do that. It is totally by grace, meaning the gift of God, totally through faith, meaning that relationship. And totally, we learn this from Scripture, and we can't bring in our thinking, our liked ideas, our best reasoning, our hiccups and our burps or our dreams of the night before. If God wants us to know how we're saved, God's going to tell us. And it's written down that everybody can read and study it. And we can't read and study a dream. That's kind of what Luther said. Now, in response, the Roman Catholic Church said, Well, all good and fine, Luther, but if you throw out works, there'll be total anarchy. Because people are going to think they're saved, they don't have to do anything, and they're going to live reckless lives. And therefore, works are important or they're going to be throwing their faith away. The other reformers, Calvin and Swingley and others, uh, agreed with Luther against the Roman Catholic Church that our works are what get us there finally. They said, no, it is uh, faith. But they would link works and faith together almost like a right arm and a left arm. If you see one, you see the other, and you've got to have them or you don't have the other. Now, the point in bringing this up and doing the tiny history lesson is to indicate there are, you've got a couple moving pieces here, or a couple pieces. You have faith, you have grace, and you have Christ, and you have good works. How are you going to set them 
in what order, what sequence, how do they relate to one another. That's really where this all comes down to. Blind Men and the Elephant by John G. Sachs It was six men of Indistan, to learning much inclined, who went to see the elephant, though all of them were blind, that each by observation might satisfy his mind. The first approached the elephant, and happening to fall, against his broad and sturdy side, at once began to bawl, God bless me, but the elephant is very like a wall. The second feeling of the tusk cried, Ho, what have we here? So very round and smooth and sharp. To me, tis mighty clear. This wonder of an elephant is very like a spear. The third approached the animal, and happening to take the squirming trunk within his hands, thus boldly up and spake, I see, quoth he, the elephant is very like a snake. The fourth reached out an eager hand and felt about the knee. What most this mighty, wondrous beast is like is mighty plain, quoth he. Tis clear enough the elephant is very like a tree. The fifth, who chanced to touch the ear, said, E'en the blindest man can tell what this resembles most, deny the fact who can. This marvel of an elephant is very like a fan. The sixth no sooner had begun about the beast to grope, then seizing on the swinging tail that fell within his scope, I see, quoth he, the elephant is very like a rope. And so these men of Indistan disputed loud and long, each in his own opinion, exceeding stiff and strong. Though each was partly in the right, they all were in the wrong. <laughs> poem completely mm. I, and I've always wondered why and it just hit me mm -hmm. uh, why uh, as Deb read it I think that the people in that poem were not very intelligent if I had a chance to see an elephant and really had a chance to look at the elephant I wouldn't touch just one part and make a decision based on that in fact I did see an elephant once I got to feed it a carrot, and the trunk was very bristly, and so I could have said, it looks like a brush. But I have common sense enough to know that an elephant is more than that. The point you're making is exactly where we want to go. Oh? And, and, and by the way, we shouldn't take offense that it's people who are blind. It actually is being a slam against educational people who only look at one aspect, um, using blindness as just a, 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 a metaphor to get the point home. Ah. 
And here's the point, is just exactly what you said. If you only look at one aspect of it, you're going to miss the other aspects. We have several aspects from history that we've seen in this discussion of faith and good works. If you only take one of them, you're going to be missing another part of it. And you'll get it all wrong. Yeah, exactly. So with the discussion of faith and good works, one side says, we hear God say, be perfect and follow these commands. And so the people uh, will say, you need to show good works in order to be, not just show to be saved, but to be saved. Climb your way up and thereby uh, you are brought to God. Another side sees the aspect, but that leaves out then the whole point that we can't do good works enough to get there. It's not a matter of scales. It's a matter of either perfect or not perfect. And because of our sin, we're not perfect. Well, that's where faith then enters in. Faith says we trust in God. But now what do we do with the works? And that's where we get other points of view. One would say they're right there beside it and and giving it strength, or the other would say, no, it just falls behind. In short, I like to look at it this way. What is the purpose of the good works? Is it to climb the many rungs till you're finally at your destination? Or Is it a reflection that you have faith? Or is it just a response that's flowing from faith? (laughs) And here comes the real dicey point. Uh Uh-oh. Yeah. Are you going to believe the Bible is the Word of God? I do, yes. Okay. So the book of Romans is God's Word? Yes, it is. As well as James. Yes, it is. Okay. So now the question is, how do we help our, how, how do we understand these together? And if we don't understand it, who's at fault? Us or God? And a lot of people say, well, you can't make these two stand together, so God's got it wrong. But if, if we don't understand it, maybe it's ours? With that in mind, with these two, let's look at Romans first with the Abraham thing. It was uh, faith that then let Abraham offer his son. It's not that he offered his son and then God went, oh, well, I guess you did a good work, so I better smile on you. Which is going to come first? Again, it's the matter of perspective. If we line them up properly, then it'll flow. Uh, This, well, it's not that you're deliberately being complicated or messing Mm -hmm. up, but it's hard to understand this and summarize this in just a few minutes. I mean, this is no pretense here. I really am confused. Okay. Let's try one last way to make it simple. Mm. 
now, wait a minute. What are you doing? Uh, we're, supposed no. to be, we're supposed to be talking and you're eating? Yep. Um, um, mm, mm. Eating an apple. And it's, and it's now you're talking with your mouth full. Oh, well, yeah, you asked me a question. <laughs> I did, uh, yes. And it's rather rude to eat in front of the listeners, you know? Well, they can get an apple if they want. Mm, mm, mm. I like apples. I'm so glad of that. Yeah. Now I'd offer you a bite, but get your own. Thanks a lot. Mm-hmm. All right. I still want to know what are you doing? You were supposed to be explaining. Oh yeah. Just want to follow I will. So where did this apple come from? Um, I would guess your refrigerator, which is, or the before room, that room forty two sixteen refrigerator. Nope. Before that. The store. Before that. The um. Uh, some uh, sort of apple a, orchard, I guess. Yeah, a tree. Oh. A tree, yeah, right. And if I dropped this apple in the ground, guess what would happen? It would rot. And then? The, s- the seeds would fall out, and they might uh, be buried somehow by the movement of the earth. You're getting too technical. All right, all right. The seeds would germinate and bring up forth the tree, and then what would happen with that tree? Hopefully it would grow. Hopefully it would grow more apples. That's right. And then I could eat another apple. But tell me. Yes. Can you have an apple without a tree? No, of course not. Can you have a tree without an apple? No. I begin to understand. Uh-huh. The faith is the tree. Correct. And if you have an apple tree, you can't help uh, unless the tree is ill or something. But a normal tree, you can't help but grow apples from a normal apple tree. Right. So the works result from the faith. They grow from that faith. Yep. You got it. And if you just went out in the backyard and looked at a tree and you went, there's no fruit. It's not a tree. Would you be right or wrong? Uh, <laughs> I'd be wrong. Yeah. At that moment, there's no fruit, but it doesn't mean it's not a tree. Now, if in five years there's no fruit, it would be worthless, you'd cut it down. Sometimes it takes time for things to happen. And whenever you see a piece of fruit, you can know that it came from a tree. In the same way, James is saying, let there be good that comes from your faith, because that's what faith does.
Now that Pastor Dave is done eating his apple, I'd like to reread this section of James again. And I'll, re- I'll read through the end of the chapter this time. What good is it, my brothers, if a man claims to have faith but has no deeds? Can such faith save him? Suppose a brother or sister is without clothes and daily food. If one of you says to him, Go, I wish you well, keep warm and well fed, but does nothing about his physical needs, what good is it? In the same way, faith by itself, if it is not accompanied by action, is dead. But someone will say, You have faith, I have deeds. Show me your faith without deeds, and I will show you my faith by what I do. You believe that there is one God. Good. Even the demons believe so, and they shudder. You foolish man, do you want evidence that faith without deeds is useless? Was not our ancestor Abraham considered righteous for what he did when he offered his son Isaac on the altar? You see that his faith and his actions were working together, and his faith was made complete by what he did. And the scripture was fulfilled that says, Abraham believed God, and it was credited to him as righteousness. And he was called God's friend. You see that a person is justified by what he does, and not by faith alone. In the same way, was not even Rahab, the prostitute, considered righteous for what she did? When she gave lodging to the spies and sent them off in a different direction? As the body without the spirit is dead, so faith without works is dead. Thanks for rereading that again. And one last thought that occurred to me as you read it. It gave the example of Abraham and Rahab. Abraham actually was a wealthy man, a very strong person of of good deeds. Rahab, well, she was a harlot, a prostitute, you would say a a pretty bad person, and yet Mm -hmm. she was saved. Point being, it's either extreme. And that's what James pointed out even in the first chapter. For those who are earthly poor or earthly rich, be careful spirituality isn't about earthly things. Instead, those of you who are earthly poor, you can be rich. You are rich. You who are earthly rich, you should consider yourself poor. Doesn't matter which you are. You need to be about God's work. And that will result in good deeds. We'd love to hear from you as always. Yes, we would. You can write to us 
at info, I-N-F-O, at not-alone, N-O-T, dash A-L-O-N-E, dot net. And as always, we are not alone. Do come back again to room 42 to 16. Credits. Chopin's Funeral March No. 3, performed by Ivo Pigorlich. Blind Men and the Elephant by John G. Sachs, read by Deb Andrus. Mary Dole, skit player. Terry Nord and Robert Vaughn, interlude musicians. And, of course, Jasmine. <laughs>